Would you do me a favor and welcome all those who have joined us online this morning via Facebook and our website, EuniceChurch.com, Eunice, E-U, NiceChurch.com, which is it's easy to remember, easy to go to, and most importantly, when new people Google a church in Eunice, boom, there we are, right on top of everybody else on purpose, hallelujah, <laughs> may have paid for that, did it on purpose, thank you for your giving, um, also just to, to let you know, um, we're going to celebrate all of those who have completed next steps at the beginning of our next service. We're going to come in and just stand and have just a celebration of uh, a moment of honor and recognition for all of those who have completed next steps and become members, official members of the church. I am grateful for all of those people and the many more to come. If you have not been through Next Steps, if you could do us a huge favor, we're going to start step one next Sunday. Pastor Weston has done an incredible job with that as the Connections Pastor, leading those people and teaching how we connect, um, how we discover, and, and how we serve as a church. So sign up back there at the Next Steps little booth table that he himself set up and come join us next week and walk through next steps with us. All right, that's enough of that. If you will, this morning, I want to do a little practice. I believe that the power of life and death lies in the tongue. That means not just what you say to other people, but what you say to yourself is just as impactful. Okay, so here's what I want to do this morning. This is not a self-help speech. Um, This is not a... uh, 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 I can do better because I'm me. This is a, I believe in the scripture, and because I believe in the scripture, I understand this principle. Here's what I want you to say with me. I just want you to say this. This, The message title today is very simply, and I'm going to say it, and then I want you to say it. I can. Are you ready? We're going to say it together. One, two, three. I can. One more time. I can. Okay, now here's what I want you to add. I can be free. Are you ready? I can be free. One more time. I can be free. Okay, listen. Actually, it's God's desire that you would be. Now, I know that for some of us, and if I were sitting in your seat, I'd be like, all right, I get it. Yay. Rah, rah. I believe that we will win. Yeah, okay. Like, I get that, right? But on a serious note, If the scripture is true, alive and active and sharper than any double-edged sword, able to to divide bone from marrow and spirit from soul, and the power of life and death lies in my tongue, then when I feel like I cannot or when I feel like I am not, I need to remind the devil and myself, I can be free. I can be. Not only can I be, but I'm going to be because there's too much on the line. There's too many people around me that are under my influence that I don't want to hurt. I can be be free. John chapter 8, verse 31, it says, then Jesus said to those Jews who believed in him, if you abide, if you abide, I have preached this, I have preached it into the grave and resurrected it, and I'll do it for one more week. If you abide in my word, You are my disciples indeed, verse 32, and you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. Verse 36, jump to verse 36. Therefore, if the Son makes you free, you shall be free indeed. Okay? I want you to see one more thing with me this morning. Not only can I be free, 
But watch this. I can have absolute freedom. I can have it. I can possess it. It can be my identity. Jesus did not die on the cross completely and resurrect himself from the grave so that I could stay in my sin and continue to struggle. I'm telling you that he hung on that cross on Calvary's hill, gave everything that heaven had to offer, and the grave began to tremble three days later. He burst forth on his own because he wanted you to have the ability to burst forth on your own. And he who the Son shall make free shall be free indeed. He didn't die halfway and he doesn't want me to be free halfway. He wants me to be absolutely, absolutely free. If there was an area that Jesus uh, did not want me to be free in, then he wouldn't have died for it. He wouldn't have died in that area. He wouldn't have bled over that. But he bled and he died completely, an absolute death. And the Bible says that he went into the core of the earth where the devil was. And we understand the interpretation, I personally believe. He went into hell. And when Lucifer thought he had won and been victorious, because Lucifer doesn't know the things of the future, only the Spirit of God knows the things of the future, I think hell got confused when their gates began to tremble. See, I thought he was excited when he saw Jesus on the cross, but then all of a sudden there was an earthquake. Where do you think the origin of that earthquake was? The origin of that earthquake was Jesus walking down the halls of hell, busting the gate open, and taking back the keys that the devil thought he had taken away from Adam. He said, I'll thank you. I'll take those. Those are mine. I'm going to go back up. I'm going to give them to them, and you no longer have any authority to hold them captive. I'm going to give them freedom, and they're going to be absolutely I wish somebody from the front and back would help me preach this morning I can have absolute freedom in my life so can my children so can my wife so can my family because Jesus bought it for me he can use me to share it with other people four keys this morning four keys to be free number one if you're taking notes recognize that I need help. See, I, I almost wrote, I, I wrote it at first, I wrote, recognize that you need help. <laughs> and I was like, no, hang on. <laughs> because I don't want to communicate it that way, and then I don't want you to hear it that way. Because all too often, we're really good at assessing other people's problems. We're really good at assessing other people's downfalls. And yet, most of the time, God wants to take those judgmental goggles and flip them back around on us and say, peer into my heart, Holy Spirit. Woe is me, for I'm unclean. So the first key to receiving absolute freedom is that you would realize or recognize, if I want freedom, I need help. Now the best story that illustrates this, and I know that 17 pastors have preached this 17 different ways, but it's the story of the prodigal son. We understand the prodigal son, the youngest son, was the son that asked for his inheritance from the father. The father gave him his inheritance, and he left the father's house and went out on his own. He went out on his own, and he just began to give the father's inheritance away to the world. And his own desires. 
And ultimately, the, the story comes to this climactic moment, this, uh, this moment of revelation, if you will, or this moment of realization where the son had everything that he had asked from the father. He had spent it all, and even as a son, he was still in a pig pen. Now, if you've been listening to this series, I would encourage you to, to go back and listen to some of the messages if you haven't heard some of them. We put a lot of effort as a, as a team into these, and, uh, and, and a lot of study and a lot of writing went into this. And if you really want to dig even deeper from this series, then I would encourage you, you can buy on Amazon, and it'll get here in, 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 as quickly as possible on Amazon, Pastor Robert Morris's book called Free Indeed. If you want to go a little further, you can join one of the two Freedom small groups. The men's are meeting on Tuesday nights, not this week, but next. And the women's are meeting on Wednesday night this week. If you want to take this further, it can be taken further. But if you remember just a few weeks back, it was into a group of pigs that Jesus cast that legion spirit, that, that spirit of of uh, 6,800 demons into, into the swine or into the pigs. And, and the pigs, just like today, they represent the demonic. Well, why do you say they represent the demonic today? Because they run off all the deer. They're little demon creatures <laughs> is what they are. And that's why you can go out with a spotlight and shoot them at night. Even the world recognizes that the devil needs the light shine on him. And I would encourage you to take an AR anything and shoot that devil off of your property as often as possible. But the pigs represent the, pigs represent the demonic. Okay? And I want you to notice, watch this, that the son, the heir the one that had the rights to the inheritance of the father, the son, the child of the father, is in the pig's pen with the devils, with the demonic. He needed help. He needed help. And we've talked a lot about this, but I want you to remember that the worst form of bondage, the absolute worst form of bondage is ignorance. And that's, that's not me being ugly. Like, that's not me calling you stupid. That's not what that is. See, the root of ignorance is just ignore. So for a person to be ignorant, it just means that it's a person who is ignoring. And when you ignore as an individual, you are referred to as a person who ignores or as an ignorant Person. You could actually replace it with an ignoring person. And when you operate in ignoring that you need help, when you operate in ignoring that you're not in a good place, when you operate in ignoring that you need freedom, you're ignorant. You're operating in ignorance. Does that make sense? It's not an ugly word. Now, don't walk around calling people ignorant. It just means you're ignoring. <laughs> Excuse me, waiter. Hey, ignorant. You've been ignoring my glass for the last 20 minutes. <laughs> no, no, don't do that, okay? This was just for us. This is a little family time. Luke chapter 15, verse 17. Watch this. Here's Luke 15, verse 17. 
Here's what the scripture says. This is the prodigal son. But when he came to himself. It's a, it's a highlight scripture right there. It's like, that's noteworthy. If you still use pages and ink and stuff. If you just have the electronic type, just tap on it and then hit the yellow thing up in the right hand corner and highlight up for you. When he came to himself, he said, how many of my father's hired servants have bread enough to spare? And yet I am perishing with hunger. He came, he came to himself. He realized who he was not. Listen, if we're ever going to become who we're created to be, then we must recognize who we are not. We have to do that. We have to understand our own depravity or our own weakness, our own failure. The Bible says he came to himself. Watch this. Listen, many, many, and I've seen it over and over and over again, and I've even, I've got to be careful not to operate in it myself, but many of the father's children are ignorantly, ignorantly living in the pig's pen instead of the palace. We're ignorantly living there. We are ignoring our weaknesses, our failure. We are ignoring that God wants more for us than this. Now listen, if you're in a situation that's bigger than you, that you didn't put yourself in, I, that's not what I'm talking about. Okay, I understand that there will be persecutions, trials, and tribulations in this lifetime. I get that. But you don't have to go through the ones that you put yourself in. There will be other ones. And the difference is, when you put yourself in one, it causes you to lack confidence. But when you are put in one, even though you're in the right place with Jesus, you're put in one and it actually develops character. You learn character when that situation comes against you. But when you brought it on yourself, it causes you to lack confidence in your identity. So number two this morning, because we understand that even a son can ignorantly live in a pig's pen. Number two, we need to repent. We need to repent to God and to others. Watch Luke chapter 15 verse 18. After he came to himself and he realized where he was and, and where he wasn't, he said, I will arise and I'll go to my father and I will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. Okay, listen, this is really important that we cannot just repent to God and call it good. We must repent to God and the person that we sinned against. And often, as believers, we don't do that. Watch, he says, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. Verse 19, I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. Like, he was just willing to be around the Father at this point. Can you hear the heart of repentance in, in the child that has strayed? In the son that was in the wrong place? 
you know what? I don't need everything that you have to offer, God. I just can. It's like the heart of Zacchaeus when he met Jesus. He's like, you know, would you just, you would come to my house? Like, come to my house, I'm gonna feed you lunch. But, but while you're there, I'm gonna go like pay back everybody that I took from four times because I just wanna be right with you. And, and it's the heart of humility, right, in this child that makes him back home with the Father. I just wanna be like one of your hired servants. See, Repentance and confession are not the same. You can confess without repenting. Let me give you an example. Just a few weeks ago, um, we're in this season of life where our children bring these um, pieces of paper home that I used to just dread. And, and I, my mama's here today, and I'm, I'm glad to have her. Be careful how you treat your children. They may preach to you one day, okay? Just saying, just free. Just give that one to hand that over. Um, I had I had an incredible have an incredible mother that that worked and served her entire life to to help provide and promote me into the places that I am. But I used to bring these things home that that man I, I just I would look at them I'm like I'm dead I am dead the boat paddle with holes is coming for me man and I call this thing a report card. How many of you remember those little demons? You remember those things? I would bring this on myself. And if it said what I wanted it to say, I'd be excited about it, right? I'd bring it home. If it said what I didn't want it to say, I'd try to find a place that she signed her name somewhere else and hope the paper was thin enough to copy that. I got really good at making my R-O-B-B-I-E. And then I would just like, Wilson, I got it. And I'd take it. This isn't your mom's signature, Chris. What do you mean? Yes, it is. No, it's not. Well, just a few weeks ago, Emery brought me a report card home and I was flipping through and Listen, I, I, just roll with me here. I'm not trying to judge you if, if you don't make straight A's, but I, I encourage our children, you know, if you make a C, then it better have been your absolute best because Scripture teaches us that we should do all things, right, with all that we have as unto the Lord. We should give it our all in every area. Now, if you make a D, that just means you did not pay attention. But if you make a C, okay, if you're making a C, I can work with it, but I want to make sure that you were giving your all, okay? And so I showed her, and I was, I was like, look, Emery, look, baby. And we, she had a C on this thing. She had rest A's and B's. I can handle that. Even B's, I still, I still ask, look, did you? But she had this C, and I said, look, baby, you could have done this, and you could have done that, and, and you wouldn't have gotten a C. And she goes, I don't care. I said, you gonna care? <laughs> no, I, I was like, sure oh. And so, um, you better, you go, and then I saw like, she saw it in me, right? And then I saw little tears. I was like, okay, teacher, don't break her. <laughs> but I, but I had to teach her. I and mean, so often that's what we do. Like we bring our report card to Jesus, right? Here you go, Lord. I'm casting my cares on you. Here you go. You take it. I'm going to take my punishment. Never mind. (laughs) And then we turn around and we walk away as if it's some like nine-week check-in that we have to give to Jesus. We confess it, but did we really care? Were we broken by it? Did it affect what we did? How many? Listen, she came home with a report card just last week after the former, and she couldn't wait to give it to me. 
Because she didn't just confess, she repented. She realized that there needed to be more than confession. There needed to be the application of change in her life. So confession is great. That's really good. But we cannot just confess. We must repent. And a lot of people mess up repentance. And I've taught this before, but just quickly, um, this word metanoia, which is the original Greek word of repentance. It leads to epistrepho, which is another Greek word for repentance that most people interpret as the only word, which means to turn from sin. That's how many of you have heard. Repent means to turn from sin. No, it doesn't, okay? That's why we need people to go to, to, to study the word of God in the original context and the original meaning so that we don't mess it up like that. It doesn't just mean that. Metanoia, the root meta means change, like metamorphosis, okay? And then noia, which is our knowing, the Greek word, the original root of our knowing or our knowledge, noia is our mind. So to repent means to change our mind, to change the way that we thought about it. I did it, and I didn't care, but I realized the damage, so now I do care. And many of us repent, I mean confess, but we, we don't really repent. Watch this. If, if I don't repent, then I will not be delivered. I must repent. I must change my mind about my sin. And I'm, listen, I'm making it personal because I've been in this process and what, I'm still in this process. I, I'm not Jesus about to float up from the beach right now. I'm still in this. And, and I'm 33, so I got a long ways to go, right? Before I come like this precious saint that I got to pray with her family over just this, this past Friday. That before I get to be Resting in the Lord. I've got a long ways to go and a lot of things to do. So it's not that I just changed my mind, but I continue to change my mind about my sin, about my failure, about myself and my identity in Christ, about Jesus himself. Now watch this. And about others. Because as I said, I cannot just confess to God and call it good. In fact, Jesus took this so seriously And this is just a reference. You can uh, go back and read this in Matthew chapter 5 and verses 23 and 24. Just write it down. We don't even have it. It's okay. We don't have it. It's just a reference. But Jesus said, I'm so serious about this confessing your sin and making it right with God and others that if you bring me a sacrifice at the altar... If you bring your sacrifice before the Lord and you have some unforgiveness, bitterness, resentment, or issue in you for somebody else, set that sacrifice down. Go and make it right with that person. And then you can come back and I'll receive your gift. In other words, If you have unforgiveness towards another individual or you have bitterness or spite towards another person, then that person's closer to God than you are because they stand in between you and God. They are currently existing between your sacrifice that you want to offer 
and the relationship with Jesus that you were created to have. You've got to lay that thing down and go deal with the problem, with the situation. You've got to go and make it right with the person. James understood this principle. He said, confess your sins one to another. Does the scripture say we could, should confess to God? Yeah, first and foremost. Like, confess your sins to God. He's faithful and just to forgive, right? But he also says, confess your sins one to another and pray. Watch this. And you will be healed. Like, when you confess your sins, and so often we separate this, and I think that that's okay as well because James is covering a lot of stuff in this context, but often we separate. James says, confess your sin one to another and then pray. Why? Because confession can help, okay, but prayer can change. So you confess your sin or, or your problem or your issue, or your resentment, or your bitterness, you confess, and then you ask that person for forgiveness in Jesus' name. So you pray with that person, and watch this, and then you can be healed from it. Because formerly you weren't healed from it. Formerly it's a wound that's still inside of you affecting who you are and who you could be. And until you make it right with that person, you're going to continue to carry it. In fact, Matthew also says that Jesus himself told us, love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, and then love your neighbor as you love yourself. Why? Because people will be the ceiling on your relationship with Jesus Christ. Your love for others will represent your love for me. Because if you understand what I did for you, then you will want them to receive the same. We've got to make it right. We've got to confess to those. It would be as if we just stole something from somebody and then we confessed it to God. Called it good. Jesus, I took his car. Forgive me in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord, for the new car. <laughs> you can't do that. You can't do that. Jesus, I, I've been looking at pornography, and I'm sinning against my family and my wife. Forgive me in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. Jesus, I lied to my boss. I know I took some of that money, and I fixed the books to make it look right, and I'm sorry. Please forgive me. Thank you for your forgiveness. Listen, friend, that's not how it works. You got to confess your sin to God and to the person that you're sinning against. Otherwise, you're going to carry that bondage for the rest of your life. You've got to make it right. Be authentic. Be honest. Confess your sin to God. Yes, he's faithful and just to forgive. But a lot of times you don't even really experience the consequence, the full consequence of your sin until you confess it to the person that you sinned against. We've got to confess. We've got to repent. If I do not repent, I will not be delivered. And secret sins stay. They don't go anywhere. They hide. And they hide in you, they hide in your heart, and they affect everything and everybody around you. So shine light on it. 
Expose that thing. Confess it to somebody. Confess it, first of all, maybe to your spouse or your significant other, somebody that you trust. Confess it to a, a spiritual authority. Right? There is a place for that. I know that it's, it, it can be abused if we're not careful, but there is a place for confessing your sin to a spiritual authority. And listen, if you don't want to change it, don't come tell me. <laughs> I know a, a, a friend of mine is a youth pastor, and these kids came in off the street. They wanted to talk to the youth pastor. And they came in his office, and they were like, he's like, okay, guys, what's going on? How, what, you know, how can I help you? And, and they said, well, pastor, we've been smoking pot. He's like, okay. Like, well, we just wanted to tell somebody. Okay. Do you have any on you? Not right now. <laughs> like, they didn't really, really do anything about it. They just wanted to get it off their chest. Listen, that's not, that's not confession. Okay? That's not what this means. To confess is to have the desire to change and repent. Not just to be right, but to even make it right. And secret sin will stay. But listen, when you shed light on that thing, there is no place for the enemy to hide. When you shed light on every nook, cranny, corner, and closet inside of the temple of the Holy Spirit, the only thing that can exist inside of that temple is the presence of God. Because where there is light, there is no darkness, and you don't have to carry it any longer. You confess it to God and to others. Number three, renounce the lie of the enemy. Renounce the lie of the enemy. Recognize that I need help. Repent to God and to others. And number three, renounce the lie of the enemy. Now, there's a second brother in this story. Look back at Luke chapter 15, verse 25. It says, now the older son was in the field. A lot of times, listen, I just want to read this like with the context and the understanding that this guy represents the church in the United States of America. That this guy, this older son that never left home and never did anything wrong, he represents the religious spirit that exists within the church in the Bible Belt that has been not unproductive in the last however many years. That it has lost its fervor and its influence on the nation, and that's why our nation has gone in the direction that it has gone. This son represents the church in the United States. The older son, he was in the field. He was about his business. You know, he was working the crop, producing the fruit for himself. But as he came and drew near to the house, he heard music and dancing. So he called one of the servants and asked, what are these things? What do these things mean? And the servant said to him, your brother has come. And because he has received him safe and sound, your father has killed the fatted calf. Your brother came home. Like, he was in all the muck and all the mess, but he came home today. And then the older son was angry. Well, pastor, I've never been angry that somebody came to Jesus. Wait, oh, hang on, though. Have you ever wanted to begin to immediately correct their behavior when they just came into a new belief? Have you ever began to immediately... Con try to correct the way that they dress when they just received a new robe of righteousness? 
Have you ever began to look at the way that they may still go out and talk because they don't understand all our Christianese and looked at that person and gone, well, that, it, that didn't even affect them. They're not really a believer. They're not even really saved. That was just a show. Shame on you, church. Shame on you, older son, for judging the experience that the younger son could have had and not being willing to celebrate and disciple that son back into the fullness of the inheritance that that the Father had created for him. It's the only thing that I will punch right in the face when it comes to preaching these days is a religious and judgmental spirit that does not have any right in the house of God. We've got to be free of it. We've got to be free of it. Because if we don't, then we bind people of it, with it that could have been free of all the other things and we shove them away from the relationship that Jesus wanted to have with them. Where have the children of God gone? We shoved them out of his house with our judgmentalism, with our bigotry, and our religious spirit, thinking that they had to do everything right when he just wanted to make them righteous. He was angry. And some of you, I'm just, I'm, uh, you're getting in, ir, angry with me right now. And that's okay. Because if you leave, God will send me a hundred more that will help me to take the vision even further than we would have taken it if you'd have stayed in this house. I just believe it. He was angry. There's no room for that in the house of God. The wrath of man does not achieve the righteousness of God. It never has and it never will. He was angry and he wouldn't even go in. Therefore, his father came out and pleaded with him. Verse 29, he answered and said to his father, Lo, these many years I've been serving you. I have never transgressed your commandment. God, why do you treat them so well? And I've been serving you all these years. I've never even done anything wrong. Yes, come on. Transgressed. I've never done anything at any time, and yet you never even gave me a young goat that I might make merry with my friends. Listen, we're going to expose the lie this morning. Because everybody's done something wrong. And to be judgmental is to forget where you came from and what God saved you out of or protected you from having to be exposed to. You could have very easily been born in Pakistan instead of Acadiana. Do you understand? And it was the grace of God that got you to the place that you are. And it will be the grace of God that gets you out of the place that you are and takes you to the next Lo, these many, I've never done anything, and you didn't even give me a young goat. That's a lie. Watch this. Sorry, I'm having too much fun. I got loose. I'm back. Verse 12. Go back to verse 12, the beginning of the story. See, the younger of them, the younger son that was about to go spend all the inheritance, said to his father, Father, give me the portion of goods that falls to me. Watch this. So he divided them to his livelihood. Now, biblically, the oldest son received a double portion. That's why Elisha asked Elijah for a double portion of his anointing. Not to just do double what he was able to accomplish, but he wanted the twofold blessing that came as the eldest son. I want that too. Hallelujah. Just let it be, Lord. <laughs> Sorry, Kelsey. That's what he got. The oldest son that stayed in the house 
the Father, in verse 12, divided to them his livelihood, divided to the sons. He got double everything the younger son got. He got double the reward. He is living and bound by the lie of the enemy that he says, first of all, I've never done anything wrong. I've never messed up. I've never made a mistake. I've been here every Sunday. I've sown every fruit. I've made every right decision. No, you have not. No, he has not. Sorry, I keep pointing at you. I'm in the same boat. Like I had to, I'm preaching my conviction this morning, so I stay in the right place. He got double everything. It would be like brothers and sisters and siblings, they're always comparing and trying to figure out, like, who's the favorite, right? Well, here's what's funny. Here's what's, it's, it's hilarious. I'm the only son of my mom and my dad. But then my dad had two boys, and my mom and my stepdad, who took me in like his own son, and I called him Daddy Tim since four years old, and I still call him that today because he is my daddy. I, he, they had a, a daughter, Kelsey, and a son named Caleb. And so me and Hayden, like my dad's middle child, we're always looking at Marshall and we're like, we all know Marshall's the favorite, right? And then Kelsey and I were always like, Caleb gets everything he wants. Like everything that we had, Caleb gets it even better. And he doesn't even have to make good grades. He just gets it because that's what... He doesn't get the beatings. He doesn't have to mow. He's a spoiled. You know, we do all this, right? But listen, listen, listen. Because I've been in conversations, serious conversations with Marshall and with Caleb, my youngest brothers on each side. And they always thought that I was the favorite. And, and then I've even heard Caleb just brag about and boast upon Kelsey and how, how easy it comes to her and, and how... How much, how much more proud they are of her than they are of him. It's a lie. The whole thing is a lie. To compare yourself to other people is a lie. It's not true. There's a book on deliverance, and, and you can join me up here, guys. There's a book on deliverance, and remember, we've talked a lot about deliverance and discipleship. And, and do I need to be delivered of a demon or do I need to be discipled in my flesh? And the answer is yes. <laughs> Whichever way that works. Were the disciples delivered from their flesh or discipled and then saved or saved and then discipled? They were discipled for three years before they ever received salvation. So why do we think that we have just this perfect process where everybody gets everything right all the time? Do I need deliverance or do I need discipleship? Yes. Yes, I do. I need, I need both. Often. <laughs> Ask my wife. She'll tell you. Question in a deliverance book is, is asking, is trying to help. And here's this kind of amusing. It said, are you a liar? Be honest. <laughs> are you... Are you living in a lie? Are you living bound by the wrong mindset? Bound by the wrong feelings? Bound by the wrong belief? Are you living in selfishness? Are you living in envy of other people comparing and contrasting and, and being critical? 
I know a lot of people are like, well, I have a spirit of discernment. Well, that's a spirit of skepticism. That's not discernment. Because discernment senses something and then finds a way to biblically restore it with meekness and gentleness. Discernment doesn't grab the microphone and start pointing at people. That's not discernment. That's criticism. Possibly even controlling and Jezebel. It's not discernment. Envy, bitterness, unforgiveness, guilt, shame, lust, and the list, right? You remember in verse 19, this has always made me feel better. Verse 19 of Luke chapter 15, the the prodigal son, he like, he's, he's in the pig's pen. He's like, man, the servant's got it better than me. <laughs> I need to go home. So he starts like writing his letter, right? Dear dad, I blew all, no, that's not good. I'll throw that away. <laughs> Dear dad, yesterday I was with this woman and I, no, I better not do this. Dear dad, I'm not worthy to be called your son. I'm not worthy to even come home. I'm not worthy to be more than a a hired servant. Can you hear the humility there? So he has his letter, right? He's written the whole thing out and and he's taking it home and he's, he's rehearsing it. Dear dad, I'm not worthy. I'm sorry. Forgive me. Please let me come back home. I, I, don't, I don't even have to have my old room back. I, I just, I just want to be, you can put me with the servants. I'll just work the field. I'll work the field and I'll work with those guys and I'll love on them. Just, just please, don't, please don't make me go back to the pig's pen. Please don't send me on my own. I'm, I'm, I got it. Okay, I got it. Dear dad, I'm not worthy. Please forgive me. Here's a couple of things that I did. You don't even really want to know what else I did. Please forgive me and let me just just live with the servants. But watch. He's reading and he's practicing his letter. He's walking home. And the Bible says that the father who has been waiting and longing and looking for the return of the son sees him walking down the road, rehearsing his letter full of I'm not worthies, right? And the father drops everything that he's doing and begins to run at the son. Does the son get excited? Probably not. (laughs) Oh, like if my dad is running at me after what I've just done, I'm not worthy, I'm not worthy, I'm not worthy, I'm not worthy. That's that's what I'd be doing. But listen, (laughs) you were never worthy. You were never worthy to be called the son. It's not your worth that calls Jesus to die on the cross for you. It's your value to him that made him willing to pay the ultimate price. Jesus did not come to restore our worth. He came to restore our value. He came to restore the fact that we are valuable to him. He didn't come to save the worthy. He came to save the lost. He didn't come to save the worthy. He came to heal the hurting. He didn't come to to save the worthy. He came to put back together the broken pieces of your life because he understood that you were more valuable than you realized that you were and heaven gave everything that it had to offer because he understood your value. Watch this. Worth is how I see myself. But value is how he sees me. That's what makes me right. So number four, this is the final one. Receive. 
receive. Remember the house that was empty? We have to receive. Receive the gifts of the Father. Receive the Holy Spirit. Luke 15, the Father said to his servants, bring out the best robe and put it on him and put on his ring and, and put sandals on his feet. And each gift, the robe, the ring, and the sandals, they're all significant. The robe, Isaiah 61, verse 10, I will greatly rejoice in the Lord. My soul, my soul shall be joyful in my God, for he has clothed me with the garments of salvation. He has covered me, my sin, my shame, my guilt, my lust, my envy, my unforgiveness, my bitterness, all the things that I was when I was in the pig's pen. He has covered it. He's taken that old nasty junk off. He's cleansed me from the inside out and covered me in a robe of righteousness that I'm going to be wearing on a white horse riding behind him in the last days. He put a ring on my finger. Genesis 41, verse 42, it says, Pharaoh took his signet ring off of his hand and he put it on Joseph's hand. It's the ring of authority. He clothed him in garments of fine linen and put linen and put a gold chain around his neck. Watch this, verse 44. Pharaoh said to Joseph, he put a ring of authority on him and he said, I am Pharaoh and without your consent, no man may lift his head or foot in all the land of Egypt. No devil in Egypt, no devil that formerly had you bound, no demon in hell has a rightful place in your life anymore. I give you the authoritative ring to tell it where to go, when to go, and what to do. In the name of Jesus, I've given you my authority. In fact, Jesus said it this way, behold, Luke 10, 19, behold, I give you the authority to trample on serpents and scorpions, every demon in your life. I give you the authority over all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall by any means hurt you because I have given you the authority. Now watch this. The shoes, the sandals. Paul, in describing the armor of God, would say in Ephesians 16, having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. See, what you used to try to tread on lightly, you're going to stand on in peace. Because I have shod your feet with the gospel. And by the way, this is the answer to your emptiness. Because we understand that the gospel did not end when Jesus ascended into heaven. It just began. And Jesus told the disciples as he was on the beach about to ascend, now go to Jerusalem and wait, and there you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the uttermost parts of the earth. Now my testimony is the same as anybody else's, is that I had to recognize it. I had to repent. I had to renounce the lie and I had to receive the gift of God. I was listening to this series several years ago and it, it hit home with me. And so Pastor Robert's immorality and the spirit that he sensed was on him. I, I've felt it since I was 10 years old. I've sensed it. Since I was walking with my mom 
around Whispering Pines driveway and I had gotten caught looking at things I wasn't supposed to look at for the very first time. That spirit was on me. And Pastor Robert said he was laying in bed with his wife and he had confessed to God and he had gotten right and he had repented and he was gonna preach the next day so he's praying about preaching and, and a revival that he was gonna be giving and, and leading people to, and he said, God, I want you to help me tomorrow and God said, no, I'm not gonna help you. I'm not gonna let you keep going the way you're going. And so he goes into this prayer and he's like, well, why not? Why are you not gonna? And he said, because if you're not right with her, then you're not right with me. And so then, even though he had heard that word and he knew that it was from the Lord, he didn't hear it audibly, he just sensed it in his knowing, in his spirit, because he had heard that, he's like, okay, God, if you want me to tell her, have her ask me. Isn't that what we do? Like, we know that there's a word from the Lord. Okay, God, I need a neon sign in the sky flashing and let a red car drive under it right now. In Jesus' name, if that happens, I'll do it. I'll do it. I'll be obedient, Lord, I promise. So he told her. He told her. And he began the process of restoration. I don't know where you are today, but there's somebody that you need to tell. There's something that you need to be delivered of. But first and foremost, you got to get your heart right with Jesus. I want you to stand with me all over this place today. We're going to do it just a little bit differently. And I want you to be honest with yourself. Don't be distracted by standing. Okay, a lot of times we, we stand up and then we start kind of fixing our stuff or we get our keys and we get ready to go. Okay, don't fall into the trap of... Uh, of some sort of method and, and, and ritual, okay? Just hold for a second. I want you to be completely honest with yourself. Is there any area in my life, is there any area in my life where I'm in bondage? Is there any area in my life where I need absolute freedom? I want you to ask yourself that. And I want you to begin to pray right where you are. I want you to ask the Lord for his forgiveness. I want you to ask the Lord to set you free. And I'm gonna pray over you. You're gonna pray with me and then I'm gonna pray over you again. But right now, I want you to ask. You confess to the Father for he is faithful and just to forgive any area that you need absolute freedom. Now, in an attitude of prayer, I want you to pray this with me. Are you ready? Jesus, forgive me for all of my sin. Save me from myself and anything else that's not of you. Release me from every bondage in Jesus' name. Now, in the, remain in the attitude of prayer. If there's any area of your life, I wanna pray over you right now. If there's any area of your life that you need freedom, I'm gonna try to call it, and I'm gonna try to speak to it, and I want us to all agree together. 
If there isn't an area of your, if there is and you would be willing just to open your hands like a gift, great. If there's not and you would still be willing to open your hands like a gift and be like a vessel that I pray into that spreads out through this sanctuary, this is how we're gonna close today. If you would just lift your hands with me if you're comfortable with it. If you're not, it's okay. You can hold them together. I would encourage you to release and to let it go and not do that any longer. Listen, I want you to receive these words by the authority that has been given unto me by Jesus himself. Not my authority, but by the authority of the name that is above every name, I command any and every spirit that does not belong in this vessel, in this house, to go right now in Jesus' name. We are overcomers by the blood of the Lamb and the word of his testimony. We are born not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible seed that lives and abides forever as sons and daughters. The angels who are mighty in strength watch over the the word of God to perform it. And I thank you, Jesus, that it's in it right now. I take authority over every evil spirit in this room. I take authority over bitterness, resentment, unforgiveness, malice, hate, envy, and jealousy. I take authority over insecurity, over fear, rejection, inferiority. I take authority over self-pity and self-destruction, over cutting and over suicide in the name of Jesus. I take authority over anger and wrath, rage and violence, even murder. I take authority in the name of Jesus over sexual immorality and sexual impurity, over adultery and infidelity, fornication and pornography, over lust and seduction and the need for attention in the name of Jesus. I take authority over criticism, judgmentalism, over arrogance, prejudice, racism in the name of Jesus. Be gone from the house of God. I take authority over pride and lies, rebellion, manipulation, control, and isolation. I take authority in Jesus' name. I cast out any greed, materialism, covetedness. I, I cast out any addiction or alcoholism, drug abuse, or gluttony, overeating and under-exercise. I cast it out right now. I take authority over heart disease, over depression, over anxiety and worry. I take authority in Jesus' name over laziness, sloth, guilt, shame, embarrassment. I take authority over every infirmity in the house, every sickness and disease, and I command it to go. I break every word and curse of death spoken over any individual in this room and this morning. I replace it with life in the name of Jesus. I command disobedience to go and I command in the name of Jesus that these people in this place would be free for he who the Son makes free shall be free indeed. Indeed, let it be done in Jesus' name. If you believe that with me, Father, I thank you today that the pressure of this life is going to be replaced with the praise of your people and that we can have absolute freedom. Let me give you one more example, and, and we've got to go because there's other cars trying to get into the parking lot, and I get in trouble every week for doing this. But here's what the devil's doing. Here's what the demons are doing right now. Because when you tell them to go, the Bible says resist the enemy, and they will flee. So here's what they're doing. Watch this. I just want to give you this visual. I'm not going. I'm not going. No. I'm not. 
I'm going, I'm coming back. You know you're going to mess up again. You know you're going to. I'm not leaving. You are going to stay bound. You are going to stay stuck in your sin. But let me tell you something today. He who the Son makes free is free indeed. And when that devil comes back, you tell him where to go. You cast him into the pigs if you have to. Because you can be and stay free in Jesus' name. But you got to replace it. And that's why we pray a prayer of blessing every week. I want you to receive and be filled with the blessing today. Would you just lift your hands and let me pray a prayer of blessing and reception. Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray that you would you would bless us and keep us and that your face would shine upon us and be gracious to us. Lord, that you would lift your countenance upon us and give us your peace. Holy Spirit, fill our hearts, our minds, and our bodies for we are your temple and we don't want to leave any place subject to secret come in and expose anything that needs to be exposed God cleanse us and fill us with your presence that we may be made full in your presence empower us to be your witnesses and help us to not just have a moment but to continue to grow closer to you together. I pray that we would know you and make you known. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Come on, greet somebody before you leave today. Make sure that you meet anybody that you don't know. Thank you so much for joining us. Have a great afternoon.